0: Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Has anybody said to you, you're a Christian, you know, like when people say that to you, when people say that to me, I, I do take it as a compliment because I feel like what they're saying is, but you're so normal. That's what I feel like. That's how I choose to receive it anyway. So, So they say, but but you seem so normal. And I say, I know, like, you know, there's a lot of Christian people that are completely normal, you know, and and that's how I receive it. But can I go ahead and say this, even though, you know, to be perceived as normal maybe in our culture and society. Maybe you take that as a compliment, but we're supposed to be different. Did you know that? So don't aim for normal because normal is overrated. We're not supposed to be normal. We're supposed to be different. There are things about our lives that people are supposed to see and, and recognize and see in us that points to our Savior, that points to Jesus. All right. So we're going to start a series that for the, that's ongoing and we've got some guest speakers in the middle there. But we're going to start a series today just called Different. All right. I want to read a scripture to you. It comes out of Matthew chapter 10. And it says this in verse 1. It says, And he being Jesus, he called to him his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits, so that's demons, to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. He just covered a lot in that little passage. We're talking about a shift of authority. We're talking about casting out demons, so spiritual oppression, physical oppression, uh, every affliction, everything that happens mentally, physically. And he says, I'm going to give you authority over that. When Jesus came to planet Earth, he changed everything. And so what we're seeing right there in that passage is just a little insight as to the authority that Jesus would give to every believer, every Christian that calls upon his name. When you look at the book of Acts, when you read the book of Acts, you'll see there's a complete shift of spiritual authority. And now the believers everywhere are living with that authority in their lives. And what are they doing? They're they're casting out demons and they're healing people of sickness. And they're, they're doing amazing miracles in Jesus' name. How good is that? Now, fast forward to uh, 2018, and uh, let me just give you a snapshot of, of just my life, and you guys have got your own situations and circumstances, but let me give you a snapshot of just uh, you know, our lives over the past couple of weeks. Man, they've been busy, and part of what's been busy and complicated that is that a couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife Sarah, she had, she had put her, her back out of place, and it was, it was really bad. And she was flat out, uh, you know, lying down and, and, and very intense headaches and, um, and just really couldn't move. So, um, you know, things got really f- busy for me um, around our house and we decided that we would uh, go to the doctors. We got a referral and we went to the doctor and the doctor, you know, looked at the scans and the results and they told us essentially to summarize that meaning, They said, you are... Um, most definitely at some point in the future, going to have to have an operation on your neck. And we're probably going to have to fuse the the bones in your neck. We're going to have to fuse those together, which is going to limit your mobility in terms of where you can turn and look. But you're too young to have that operated on now because when you have your first operation, you need to understand that you're going to sign up for a series of future operations that will happen as a result of you having that first one. Okay? Okay. So so we heard that and we weren't really thinking, wow, that's great news. And as a Christian, it seems kind of out of place for me. You know, I think you all know. It seems kind of out of place for me. You know, God, we've prayed about this. You better believe we've prayed over the last couple of weeks. I'm just telling you my story. You've got your own story. But when you have suffering and you read about the authority that you've been given in Christ, is there not a disparity between what you believe and what you see? Or are we the only ones on planet Earth that has experienced this? See, we expect blessings as Christians. That's okay, you should. Some of you felt guilty about that. Don't feel guilty about it. We expect to be blessed as Christians. And when I say that, I am not talking about when you get to the shops and every car park is filled. And suddenly the righteousness of Christ comes upon you and you prophesy in Jesus' name that cars will shift out of their car parks and make way for you. That's not exactly what I am talking about. I am not talking about when you go on holidays. Oh, yeah, sure, it works, but it's just not what I'm talking about, right? I'm not talking about when you decide to go on holidays and clouds start to come over, suddenly... You remember that Jesus spoke to the clouds and you start to prophesy in Jesus' name, commanding global weather patterns to shift for you to enjoy your holiday. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about blessings. You know, as a Christian, we're actually blessed. That's our position to be blessed. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what? That he came and died on the cross to set us free from the power of sin that would rule and reign over us. That means that we're forgiven. We're in right standing before God. That puts us in a position of being blessed. And if you're here today and you're new to church, as Christians, we don't expect to be blessed because we're good. And if that's your idea about how to get blessed, oh, you're in for such a letdown. No, 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 no. We believe that we're blessed because of everything that Christ has done. So as Christian people, what we do is we rely completely on Him, what He's done, and what He's given to us. Now, when I think about what Christ has given to us, and I see it in the Scriptures, I I mean, come on, haven't you read it before? I read in there that we're given authority over sickness, over disease, over the physical elements and the things that happen in this world. So the Scriptures say it. The preachers preach it. The Spirit testifies to it. And despite all of that, sometimes we look at our situation and we have, let me ask you a question. How many of you have unanswered prayers right now that would fall into any of those categories? Don't be shy. Do you put your hand up? Yep. Hands up. Okay. So, so the vast majority of us have things that we're praying for That we haven't quite seen yet. And despite the fact that we haven't seen it, the scriptures say that we can have it. And I don't know about you, but I find there to be a tension between my condition and my confession. There is a disparity between my condition and my confession between where I am and where God says I can be. By the way, for those of you that would not be aware of this, I apologize right now to any doctors that we have sitting in here today. But doctors are basically paid pessimists. They will give you the lowest odds of survival in every situation and circumstance. I think they're more worried about litigation than anything else. So they're going to lowball it, right? I know why they spend so long at university. They have to study things like bad bedside manner, how to discourage your patient before they have hope, you know, and. and I, honestly, sometimes you just hear what they say. All right, so that might be your condition, but you came to church on Sunday and we're going to give you a confession. And there is a difference between the two. I had somebody come to me this week and they said to me, I didn't write this message as a response. They said to me, I get really angry sometimes because the thing is, I look at my life and my condition and I just get frustrated thinking to myself, how could this be God's plan? There is a big difference between how you think and how God thinks. A big difference. And there is a scripture that speaks about this, that gives us a great insight. It comes out of Isaiah 55. And it says this in verse 8. God speaking. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That scripture is there to help us to recognize that how we look at our lives, our situations, and our circumstances, however you look at it, I'm telling you, God has a bigger picture. He has a different perspective on your problem. He looks at your circumstances so differently to the way that you see it. And when somebody comes and says to you, actually, let me turn this into a piece of advice for some of you. When someone tells you that they're suffering and God says, uh, "Sorry," and, and you try to offer them by way of counsel and advice, "Well, God thinks differently about your suffering," that is the most discouraging thing that you could probably say to someone, because oftentimes we're like, "We already know that. Obviously, God is thinking maybe differently about my situation, otherwise I 'd be healed. Sometimes that kind of advice, you know. Oh, well, God's thinking differently about your suffering. It could be so discouraging. It can make you mad. It could sort of make you frustrating, frustrated. It might be true, but it's definitely not comforting. And there is, a, there is for all of us, I feel, time when reality does not meet our expectations. When it doesn't meet our expectations. This does happen in every area of your life. So sometimes it happens in the area of your finances, And, you know, when it comes to your finances, if you're not in a good financial position, right? I mean, there could be so many different reasons for that. There might be multiple explanations. Maybe the reason why you didn't have money this week is because you bought that dress last week. You know? You spent money that you didn't have, and now you don't have what you do need, okay? So, So, God did not make you buy that dress, and He didn't make you buy those shoes, and you didn't have to sign up for that thing. You didn't have to pay that. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you can pay for that you probably don't need. And sometimes what we do is we, in our situation, we can kind of push that on to God. That's, that's not always a good idea. Sometimes there's things to do with our health. Sometimes we don't treat our bodies correctly. Sometimes you don't eat the right foods. Sometimes you know there's things to do with your personal health. Sometimes there's things to do with your relationships. You know, God, there's relationships that are you know being ruined in my life. Well, stop being mean and rude and defensive. That's very hard these days, I know. But just stop. You know, some of these things you bring onto yourself, right? When you bring things onto yourself and then you try to hold God responsible for what is happening in your life, we call that blame shifting. And that's, that's not God's fault. That's, that's more to do with you. But come on, let's be honest. There are genuine things that happen in your life. Prayers that you've prayed. Real things that you believe the Bible says you are entitled to. Real things that you're asking for that you have not seen come to pass. And when you begin to pray and you repeatedly pray about the same thing and you perceive your continued unanswered prayer as failure, it develops a lack of confidence in your prayer life. Because you start to think, I don't know if this is really going to work. This can happen in almost anything, developing a lack of confidence. If you fail continually in one area of your life, or if you repeat the same process and don't be able to get a different answer or a different response, it develops a lack of confidence. Years ago, I remember playing basketball and uh, this one particular game, and I've shared the story before, but this one particular game, at the very beginning of the game, these guys from the other team, they got inside my head. And as I would come up, you know, to do a layup or whatever it is, they said, this guy's so bad, he'll definitely miss. And at first, I thought, well, you don't know what you're talking about. But then I did miss. And I thought, well... That was no good. And it got to the point where I came down for a a jump shot. And rather than guard me, they had this whole psych thing going where they said, leave him. And they walked away. They said, let him shoot. He'll miss. So now I'm open. How can I miss? You better believe I did because I was being defeated in the mind. And it got a hold of me, right? And it's funny because what... What didn't begin as failure when I perceived it as failure eventually became a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that when I would bring the ball down the court, I'm starting to think now I'm probably going to miss. This is probably not going to go the way I want it to do. Well, your faith works just like that. And your faith starts to predict the outcome of your prayers when you see repeated failure in the same place. It can happen very easily. And when your faith begins to predict the outcome, eventually your mouth begins to prophesy. And then after that, it comes to a time when you need to pray some faith-filled prayer to see your situation turn around and your circumstance be different. And you don't have the faith to even believe that God will do it. And so your imagination starts to work like this. Well, God probably won't fill in your own insecurity. Fill in your own current need. God probably won't heal my depression. God probably won't heal my sickness. God probably won't reach my unsaved family. God probably won't protect my kids. We are confronted All the time around the world, by events that seem to be unfolding, that will continue to try to convince your brain, Where is God in the middle of all of this? And if it gets inside your head, it starts to predict the outcome for you to the point where you could become so faithless that you stop praying altogether because you think, What's the point? God's probably not going to do something anyway. Here's what I've learned. Every season has a confession. Every season has a confession, whether audible or inaudible. It's inaudible before it's audible, by the way. It starts to take place in your head and it moves to your heart And then it starts to come out of your mouth. And what you end up being is what we would call a non-believing believer. You are in church every Sunday. You sang like everyone else. You could even read the scriptures. You believe in God. You just don't believe He's going to answer your prayers, that He breaks through into circumstances today, that He could shift things in your life. You're a non-believing believer. He's real. He's just not doing anything. That is a perspective. That is a bad place to be. And it's amazing how some people can hear the same thoughts, hear the same words, and respond completely differently. For example, anybody this week that heard Yanni, you should know it's Laurel. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I know half of you don't, Ask someone after. It's a perspective thing. Well, it's actually probably more than that with that example. It's a bad analogy. But, But you can hear the same thing and arrive at a completely different place. A completely different place. Here's something different to what other people hear. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Job. And Job is a man. For those of you that wouldn't be aware about the story of Job's life, let me just help you to unpack this a little bit. Job was a man that feared God and loved God and honored God and only ever spoke blessing about God. And because of some cosmic arrangement over his life in a place that he would never understand that was so high above the earth that we might consider it to be in the heavens, there was a a deal made and Job's life began to fall apart. How many of you know that when one thing happens, you can handle it? But it's probably the series of fires in your life that takes you out. It's when they're all around you that it becomes a problem. And so one afternoon, some people come in, his servants, and they say, in succession, a number of servants, all of your livestock have been taken and gone. Your servants have been killed. You know, your family... we're we're all together drinking at your son's house and there was a great wind and the roof collapsed in on them and your entire family is wiped out. He has lost everything. And Job has a condition and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is a confession. And he says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. But it doesn't end there. Then Job's health starts to go downhill and sickness begins to touch his body. And it brings him to a place where eventually he is so broken and he's questioning God and his friends start to gather around him. And, and those some, you just don't need some people in your life, you know. These guys start looking in his life for a secret sin because they're trying to make sense of tragedy. You know when people are trying to make sense of tragedy in your life, they will stretch their minds to the most unreasonable pl- reasonable place to justify why you're going through suffering, part of it is so that they can understand it. And so his friends say, you probably got some secret sin somewhere. And Job is saying, guys, I haven't done anything wrong, but they're investigating him. Why? They want to make sense of tragedy. Uh, Let me tell you something right now. For those of you that are going through a hard, a difficult time, you presently have unanswered prayers. And some of these things are repeated, and you're asking for you've been asking for these things for a long time. God is not punishing you for secret sins that happened on the cross. Don't get me wrong, there are things that you can do that affect your own life, right? But God is not out to get you because of your sin. That's been crucified. That's been hung. That's been dealt with. Okay, so you don't have to even think about that or worry about that anymore. But back to Job. So here he is. And his whole life is a series of tragic events in, in, in you know, this very short period of time. And he says these words. He says, though he slay me. He's talking about God. I will hope. It means to wait. It means to trust. It means to stay. I will. I will hope in him. Yet I'll argue my ways to his face. He says these words, that word slay, it means kill. God, it feels like you're killing me right now. This situation is killing me. It's breaking me. It's breaking my heart. I, do you even notice what I'm going through? Do you see what my family is struggling with? This thing is killing me, God. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. But I'm going to hope in you. I'm going to wait right here. The righteous shall not be moved. I'm not, I'm not leaving you. I'm just telling you what this feels like. Believe me, God, God can handle the difficult things that go on in your heart. He knows your thoughts before you even have them. You might as well verbalize them and gain his perspective on it at the same time. He says, though he slay me. I will hope in him. I'm going to wait. I'll still tell him what I want, but I'm believing that he's going to do the best. See, your perspective is really just the position that you choose to take. What are your thoughts? What's your confession? What are the words that are coming out of your mouth? Not when everything is okay. When everything is not okay. Okay. When everything is okay, you'll be the most faith-filled person on the planet. You'll encourage and inspire everyone. Do you know I found that the greatest encouragement comes from people that when I look at them, I think, Oh, I am inspired by your faith because despite your condition, you continue to confess that Christ is good. That God is good? What is the confession that begins to emerge and come out of your mouth when you're confused? What comes out of your mouth when you hear what the doctors said? What comes out of your mouth in that moment? What will you do? What you do, by the way, some of you might be surprised to find your perspective. Because oftentimes I feel like our perspectives aren't revealed until we understand our condition. And then with all of that stripped away and all the difficult things that emerge, suddenly we start to find out where we really are, what's really going on beneath the surface. And at that moment then, it is probably the best advice I could give you is to break out and have the best praise party that you can ever have. To literally put on some worship music. And don't listen to what your wife says when she says, stop singing. The neighbors can hear you. It's embarrassing me. I can't even look at them anymore. Don't you, I'm just projecting now, but don't you listen to that. You have the best praise party that you can have. You'd be surprised what it does to your perspective. See, there are times and seasons where you're acutely aware of your condition. Why? Because the doctor told you. It might be physically evident. You might see it. You might hear it. You might feel it. And I say this because I have not met a Christian on planet Earth that hasn't wrestled with the internal conflict that says, can I trust God while I'm waiting? Will he actually do it? Will he actually break through? Everyone faces trials. It's your confession that makes you different. Everyone faces trials. It's your confession that makes you different. Don't go for normal. Don't be like everyone else. Don't be like Job's friends. Don't be like Job's wife. You know what she said? She said, curse God and die. His friends said, you know, God has left you. He doesn't want anything to do with you. You just don't need people like that in your life. What's your confession? What do you say? Jesus once asked Peter that. He said, he said Hey Peter, who do people say the son of man is? He says, oh, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say that you're the prophets. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do you say I am? That is the most important question you'll ever have to answer in your entire life. More than any other question that you'll ever face on planet Earth is who you declare Christ to be over your life. And he says, I say that you're the Christ. He says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Which means that what he said came out of a place of conviction. See, sometimes you're going to have a condition, but your confession will come from a place of Conviction. Who you say God is, not when it's all going well, but when things are kind of difficult, that's the time when it matters. And if you're waiting, maybe it's because God is just thinking differently about your situation and your circumstance. It might not necessarily be encouraging to you, but you've got to understand who he is because that's the way to interpret that whole idea. He is good All the time, every good thing you have comes from above. If you're trying to figure out who he is, he died for you when you didn't deserve it. With him, there's no shadow. There's no variation. He's not good one minute and bad the next. He doesn't love you today and hate you tomorrow. He died to set you free, to put you in a position so that he could be in your life all of the time. So when you're trying to figure out, God, I'm not sure if I can trust you in the middle of my circumstances and my condition, you would do well to remember who he is before you start to interpret what's being done. And you know, I think this, I think this. When you get the scriptures and you read them, and by the way, a little encouragement from me to you, you should read this book every day. Read it regularly. Get it inside of you. Because as you start to flick through the pages of this book, you'll see person after person that struggled, that was afraid, Just read the Psalms and you'll learn about someone that struggled with depression in the most profound way who was high one minute and low the next. You will see time and time again people that are totally confused by what God is doing in the moment. But then you get to the end and you realize he knew what he was doing all along. I didn't know, but he did. I didn't understand what all of this was about, but he did. He knew what I was doing. He saw the whole thing. He saw the end of time before it even began. Where is God in all of this? He's right beside you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But he knows what to do. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says this. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. So he's emotionally engaged in this prayer. With loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. It's not a question of God's ability. It's not if he's able to do it. He's, he's more than able. And it says that he was hurt because of his reference. He was hurt. The God that's able heard every word, every cry, every prayer, saw every tear, and still at that very moment could in an instant tell you the number of hairs that's on his head. Acutely aware. And he says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And the thing is, is that Jesus still suffered. And he went through things that were really tough too. It says, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obeyed him. Jesus said, if it be possible, please let this cup of suffering, let it pass from me. I don't this. I don't want to deal with this. I I don't want to have to go through this. And Jesus could have done it. I mean, God could have done it. He could have done it. He was more than able. But he had something else in mind. And every single one of us today are grateful that Jesus didn't find a way out of that. And he said, but not my will, your will be done. Because if he didn't do that, then we couldn't be here today. And we wouldn't have the presence of God to be in our lives in the same way that it is today. And it's not that God wasn't able and it wasn't that He, he didn't hear His prayers. That's the thought that dominates your mind sometimes because you say, God, do you even know? Do you even care? Oh, He knows. He cares. He understands. He's just got something else in mind and it's just better than what you had been asking for. And if you trust Him, if you trust Him, and you can still have peace in the middle of your situation and your circumstance. Can I be honest with you today? Here's my prayer as a dad. Because sometimes my, my kids come home and I say, how's things going? And they say, this is what is happening at school. or This is what's happening in my life. So this next prayer that I tell you about, this is my word for word prayer. That's why I said to God in the car last week as I was driving to church. I said, God, I want you to protect my kids from absolutely everything that could ever go wrong in their life. I don't want to ever see them go through pain. I don't want them to ever feel that rejection that could come with Anything that could ever happen in their life, schoolyard, bullying, whatever it is, I I don't want them to ever go through anything. If I was to paraphrase my prayer, it would probably sounded something more like this, Lord, wrap my children in cotton wool make them wear stack hats every day of their life protect them so that nothing could ever touch them or touch their lives, I don't want them to be unhappy for a moment right, that's really what my prayer, what I'm asking him to do but I finished with this, I said but God you know what they need to become who you're making them to be and I will trust you to know the difference between the two I will argue my ways to your face but I will not move from this spot I will tell you what I want to happen But I'm not going to confess anything less than that you are God, most high, still sovereign Lord over my life, still over my situation, still over my circumstance. You have the power to shift anything that needs to be shifted. You are more than able. I know you hear my prayers. I know I don't always get the answers. But in that gap where I don't have the knowledge to bridge the two, I'm going to trust you. Because you are so good and you never fail and you never let me down. When what you believe doesn't line up with what you see, what you ask, what you hope for, my advice is let your season have a confession that declares and prophesies that is in your head and out of your mouth that says, I trust you. I just trust you. So much peace comes from knowledge. We're talking about a, about a peace that that surpasses understanding, that surpasses your circumstance, that surpasses what you can even imagine. We're talking about a peace that says, you've got it when I don't think you have, that you've heard me when I think that you haven't, that you're over and above me when I don't understand it. And it doesn't matter. Oh, this this applies to so many areas of your life. And let me tell you right now, when people see this, it stands out. That's what makes you different. That's what people look to. That's where people draw encouragement from. So what's your declaration? Because I know in this room today, there is a host of unanswered prayers. And I want to pray for you this morning. Why don't you stand to your feet?